Um, this went on some time with more and more people joining in to help. So that after around 15 minutes, all traffic in and out of town had been completely halted and a large circle of around 12 commuters had formed around Bertie and I in the middle of the road where the traffic had parted around us. My word. Before we dive in, a warning. The content of this podcast may not be appropriate for some young listeners. This is real life, and that means that sometimes it can be a little bit graphic. So listen on at your own peril. As a veterinarian, dog behaviorist, best-selling author, and trainer, over the past decade, I've had an obsession with transforming the behavior of dogs understanding their brains and creating practical strategies that you can implement easily at home. I know all too well when the dream you imagined when you first got your dog is far from your daily reality. In fact, out of the blue, a few months ago, my little dog Gorse was bitten by a dog 20 times her size. And suddenly our life of stress-free walks, a calm and cuddly household and being teammates was replaced with reactivity, anxiety and worrying about what's around the next corner. I'm Dr. Tom, this is the Help My Dog podcast, and this is me documenting that journey of transformation, sharing my knowledge and experience with you and having a few laughs along the way. Hello, HMD family. Welcome to this episode of the Help My Dog podcast. And we're gonna be covering today the topic of adolescence. And the reason being, I was reading an article the other day, just like, you know, when something just pops up um, on, I can't remember what it was, or it was on like social media or just on my browser or something. Um, and it was basically a, about some statistics that had come out around dogs being rehomed. And, you know, they, they confirmed what has been confirmed many, 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 many times before and what we all know. And that is that often, a time point when dogs are rehomed is um, in the adolescent period, right? And I think we all talk about this word, you know, of our, of our dogs going through adolescence, but I think until we truly understand what it means, it's very difficult to figure out what we should be doing. And really what this podcast is all about is actually, here's the science, here's what you should do, here's how to get your dog owning dream, right? And if we can tick those three things, which we, you know, we do, um, then you're gonna feel, um, you're gonna feel more in control and you're gonna feel more like, um, more like you're making progress and it's gonna feel less like you're clinging on to the, the, you know, the roller coaster that is adolescence and more like you're driving it, right? Which ultimately is probably preferable. So adolescence, what is it? Well, first thing to understand about adolescence is that, it only, it's only, it only exists in family, so family living social species. And that gives you a clue as to its function. I'll tell you what its function is in a second. Second thing that I want you to be aware of or that I want you to know is that this isn't just an attitude problem, yeah? And I think this is really commonly misunderstood in both humans and dogs is that it's like, oh, they've, you know, they've got an attitude problem. Actually, there are brain changes, structural brain changes going on, there are cognitive changes going on, and there are hormonal changes going on, and of course, that's forgetting all the physiological stuff that's going on as well, right? So there's a ton going on, and it isn't a choice necessarily to, to make the choices that they're making. So what is the purpose of adolescence? Because it sounds like a bit of a pain in the bum, right? Well, what it is, is the way that you can think about it. So we take wolves as an example, right? You've got this, it, wolves are family living, a family living species. They live in family groups. 
The purpose of all animals, a lot of what drives their behavior, is they're making choices that are going to increase the probability of their genes being passed on to the next generation. Okay? Now, what we've got to realize in family living species is that they share, they share their genes with other members of the family. So the, the animal has to figure out, not consciously, but figure out in an evolutionary sense, right? It is the best way, is the most likely way for my genes to be passed to the next generation to disband from the family and go and reproduce by myself or support the existing family structure in them passing on their genes. And so, for example, that might look like protecting the family, that might look like getting resources for that family group, that might look like helping to rear the, the young of that family group. And the, the animal has to figure this out. Now, the way that that happens and the way evolutionarily that that, has, um, that, that process has been created is actually the animal starts to get into conflicts between individuals in, in, the, in the family that they're in, okay? So they start to maybe say no where previously they would have said yes. They start to maybe get a bit um, particular about whether they're going to do something or not. And I'm sure those of you that own adolescent dogs, you can relate to this in your household, your family, right? And the reason why that is, is because their attempt, the, evolutionarily speaking, the relationship is getting stretched to figure out if it's going to break or not. Okay, because if it's not a strong relationship and it's going to break, then it makes more sense to go and disband and start your own family. And that is actually why adolescence exists. Okay, and then what you've got to, to throw into the mix is hormones start becoming a thing, right? Especially when we're thinking about, um, you know, female dogs that previously had no hormonal cycling. And now it's like rushes of hormones that are doing all kinds of things and having all kinds of behavioral functions. So. First, things, I, first thing that I guess I want you to take from that is this isn't because of you. Yeah, this isn't because of your efforts. It's despite your efforts, right? This is happening. And what we want to do now is skill you up to figure out what to do about it. Now, a little bit of extra science. Um, there's a study that came out in 2020, Asher et al., um, and it basically confirmed everything that I've just said, okay? So what it confirmed is that um, when you compare dogs at, I don't know, four months old versus dogs at eight months old. At four months old, they will, you know, the owner asks them to sit and they will sit, right? And they're, they're, they're highly likely to sit. A stranger asks them to sit and they might sit, they might not sit, but they'll definitely sit for the, sit for the owner. Very kind of general, generally speaking. At eight months old, you do the same test and they're less likely to sit for the owner, right? And they're more likely to sit for the stranger. So think about that. What have I just said? It, within the family group, the conflicts are testing the relationship. Outside of the family group, business as usual, yeah? So is it, this kind of explains why your dog might have stopped listening to you. Maybe why they, what they did before, they're not doing now, right? Um, and, um, and hopefully that, in a, in a way, is a sigh of relief. Now, what that study also showed is that the stronger the relationship going in and during um, adolescence, the less this happens. So. What should we do about this? Well, I've got, I've got three tips for you. I've got some cringe stories as well, don't worry. I've got three tips for you. And the first one is, hey guys, I just want to take a little pause to let you know how you can get involved with the official Help My Dog membership hub. 
If you're enjoying geeking out about the science of dog behavior, want to watch dogs practically being trained in real life, and you want to progress even further, you can join our members-only community and get targeted learning with me each and every week to help you combat your dog struggles at home, on walks, and out and about. And right now, when you jump in, you can actually watch Gorse's behavior rehabilitation from trauma to triumph in an over-the-shoulder video diary showing real-life situations. To find out more, just head over to www.helpmydog.com forward slash hub. I've got three tips for you, and the first one is this is a time period of instead of focusing on outcomes, so instead of focusing on, I want to teach my dog this, I want to fix this problem, I want to um, do this particular sport with my dog, instead of thinking outcome-based, think relationship-based. I am going to do this with my dog because it's gonna grow my relationship. I'm gonna have this amazing experience of playing this game, doing this thing, going, you know, going and having this experience, cuddling on the sofa, because I need to invest in my relationship right now. Because the stronger my relationship, the less adolescence is going to affect us. And the challenge is, is that adolescence is constantly chipping away at your relationship. So you have to kind of double down on it, right? So whether that is, for those of you who help my dog online hub members, you're, you're like, okay, what are my top five favorite games in the hub? I'm gonna play those for the next three weeks and that's all we're gonna do, yeah? So I'm gonna pick my battles and I'm gonna say, I'm gonna pick easy battles that we both love, we both get loads out of, and at the end of the three weeks, your relationship's in a better place and adolescence isn't causing quite such an issue, right? It's big. And the other side of that is the stuff that you shouldn't do, yeah? There are some things that, that you do with your dog and they're always a battle, they're always a problem, they're always a challenge. Maybe just don't do those for the time being because actually, Relate, you've got to think relationship first when it comes to, to adolescence, right? Now, the second tip is relating to another thing that happens in adolescence, okay? And what happens is there is a significant drop in your dog's ability to disengage. They lose the ability to disengage or they find it even harder to disengage. They find it even harder to um, switch from activity to activity. They find it even harder to not fixate on something and not fixate on the dog over there and not get obsessed with the scent on the ground. And the reason being, think about this from an evolutionary perspective, right? Your, your dog is deciding whether to disband from their current family or not to start their own. And generally speaking, right? And if they are to pass their genes on to the next generation, they need to find a mate, yeah? Do you think it's helpful in finding a mate, keeping a mate and reproducing if you're constantly flitting from one thing to the next? Right? If you're like, oh, there's a there's a nice girl over there, and there's a butterfly, and there's some grass, and um, ah, oh, the sun is in the sky. The girl's gone. Yeah, someone else has someone else has paired up, and they've run off into the sunset. Yeah, um, and so you find that there's this massive drop in disengagement. It's because of these brain, cognitive, hormonal, physiological changes that are happening, and this is the time to actually go stronger on teaching your dog how to disengage. Yeah, you need you you need to be screaming to your dog, not your circus, not your monkeys. And the way that we do that is actually by 
implementing strategies and games that say, hey, the value is in disengaging from that. Hey, the value is in disengaging from that, engaging with me. Hey, the value is over here, not over there where the chaos is happening. So really basic one that you can implement that is both an easy win, relationship boosting, and grows disengagement is the rewind, okay? Now, what the rewind is, is saying, when I step backwards, that is a trigger for you to disengage from whatever is up ahead, right? So I'll say that again. When I step backwards, that is a trigger for you to disengage from whatever is up ahead. And actually, guys, we have um, I've basically created a, some teaching on this that shows you practically how to teach a rewind. Um, so regardless of whether you've got an adolescent dog right now or not, you'll get massive value from it because it's basically suitable for reactive dogs, distracted dogs, any dog, all dogs, puppy dogs, senior dogs, adolescent dogs, you name it, dogs, right? So you need it. Um, and the way that you can get access to that free teaching that I've made for you is by going to www.helpmydog.com forward slash rewind and you'll get the video teaching, right? And you'll be able to watch it and I've actually prepared some notes for you that you can download with a step-by-step. -step. It's yours to keep forever, right? So make sure to check that out. Now, before we move on to the third tip, I think it is time for the it could be worse section of the podcast. And I, I'll be honest, I think a lot of these um, these cringe stories that get sent in, I imagine they involve some adolescent dogs sometimes. You don't say, but I bet it might fall into that time period. Now, Madeline, do, what do we have this week? We have some Okay. Yeah, so I'm starting out with the terrifying situations that end. Terrifying? <laughs> yeah. That end in a less terrifying way, but also terrifying. Okay. Awesome. So this is number one, is it? Yeah? Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Hello, Mrs. Cringe and Dr. Tom. <laughs> I love it. It's taking off. <laughs> it's catching. Um, right. My cringe story starts with what felt like and could have turned out to be a terrifying situation, but ended up as my most embarrassing moment out of many with my previous dog. Awesome. Um, it took place on a particularly cold February morning with snow and ice on the ground when my Jack Russell Bertie, who was around three years old at the time, managed to slip through a gap and escape through the front door when my other half was leaving to go to work. Stressful. Very stressful. At the time, we lived in a quiet cul-de-sac, but there was a hedge a short way in front of our front door with a cut through to the main road that led into the town center, oh gosh, passing the railway station on the way. Bertie dashed straight for the gap and out onto the pavement on the main road. He then started to run down the hill towards the town. Oh, that is terrifying. Ah! Especially the railway station. I obviously immediately panicked and frantically ran after him, chasing him down the hill, calling out his name in vain as he excitedly enjoyed this game of chase. It was around 7.30 a.m. in the morning, so there were lots of commuters around at the time, both walking down the hill to the station as well as driving on the road. The commuters began to notice what was happening, and a few stopped to try to help capture Bertie again. I love the word capture when it comes to a dog. Work, but he would just dive in the opposite direction each time someone got close in this super exciting game. By now, some of the commuters 
had also decided to stop the traffic on the busy road. So there was no danger if he ran into the road. Oh, so embarrassing. Um, this went on some time with more and more people joining in to help. So that after around 15 minutes, all traffic in and out of town had been completely halted. And a large circle of around 12 commuters had formed around Bertie and I in the middle of the road where the traffic had parted around us. My word, that's like something from Strictly Come Dancing or something. They began to slowly reduce the size of the circle that contained Bertie and I. <laughs> <laughs> that contained Bertie and I in a hope that I could grab him in what looked like some kind of weird dance, a bit like the hokey-cokey. Bertie thought this was a great game and excitedly bounced around the circle from person to person, always ensuring he remained just out of reach at all times. Finally, the circle reduced in, <laughs> reduced in size enough for me to grab him, to carry him home, to a round of applause, yay! To a round of applause from the commuters and the lorries and cars beeping their horns in celebration. Oh my God, that's amazing. I was at this stage, after already feeling completely embarrassed with how I had brought the whole town to a standstill, that I realized, ah, that I realized I was just wearing my pajamas and a pair of socks. <laughs> Dog gates were purchased and installed the same day so that it could never happen again. I love that story. That is amazing. I feel like I've had similar situations. Yeah, and that is awesome. I'm sure every dog Don't owner can relate yeah, to that absolutely. in some form or another. Pajamas um, and wellies. I once had a situation involving a train where um, I was training a little puppy and... Um, I was at a train station. I can't even remember why I was at a train station. Training a little puppy, um, and um, and uh, the, I was being filmed, and I was like, okay, well, you know, do a bit of like I can't even remember what it was. I do a bit of orientation game. Hop on the train, do a bit of orientation game. The train's not meant to be leaving for you know ten minutes. Bit of orientation game, and then I went to pick the puppy up, and I took a step towards the door, and the doors closed in front of me, and this this was on camera. And I, my face was like, oh my God, I didn't even know where I was going. Um, and I panicked and pant and I was like, oh, oh, what do I do? I'm like looking around, looking around. And somebody just reached and just pressed the button next to the door and the doors opened. <laughs> it was one of those like moments of like literally blind panic. Right, we've got another one. Okay, it was Christmas Eve and we arrived back home after the midnight service. Raymond... Our extremely easygoing scent hound, um, <laughs> I love it, uh, Dashan greeted us at the door, waddling merry, merrily and wagging his tail joyfully. I hope his name Dashan's is Raymond. Do. It's not. Oh, it's isn't not. it? No. I did change um, it. Alas, his belly was inflated to three times his normal size. Stepping further into the room, we came upon the carnage. Pulled out from under the tree was a gift, shredded to pieces. Somewhere we founded the, sh founded, found the shredded tag and realized the gift had been addressed to all five members of the family and sent with love from my sister and brother-in-law. The other two dogs sat there smiling innocently up at us. As we didn't know what, what had been in it, we called my sister right away to ensure that we did not need to find an emergency vet at 1am on Christmas morning. It turned out that my sister had included her fam famous homemade... What is that it's, word? Is it pinache? Pe penache? Penache. <laughs> Sounds a bit rude. <laughs> no, it does. Like, I, I, thought, I thought it was an amalgamation, like peanut fudge. 
Peanudge. Peanudge. Yeah, I think so. Oh, peanut butter fudge. Peanut Maybe, butter fudge. yeah. Yeah, I think so. Peanudge? Are we um, just showing our ignorance? Maybe it's a really well-known thing. Maybe it's panucci? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> if you know, get I in touch. Know. I don't know. Please send us a sound bite. Please send us a voice note of how we meant to say this word. Uh, I, I, can't, I like panucci. <laughs> right. So, it turned out that my sister had included her famous homemade panucci. <laughs> Peanut butter fudge, or fucci as I like to say, in that package. Enough for the family to enjoy as we celebrated together throughout the week. To our utter delight, eventually Raymond shared his recycled poached spoils with all of us during our Christmas celebration. Oh no, and felt none the worse for any of it. No! We, however, will always remember that was one gift we never even saw, let alone tasted, and Raymond's self-tattling with his obviously engorged belly. He could have learned quite a bit from Santa about stuffing himself up and down the chimney that year. Oh my word. A bit salty about it. I know, you're really angry. I love that. Still angry. Yeah, hold, you keep holding that grudge, right? Um, <laughs> yes, and if if anybody can send some panucci, send it in. I want to try it. <laughs> right, last one. Is this the last one? Yeah, yes. last one. Right, last one. Many years ago, when I was young, free, and single, ooh, I worked with horses and had a cottage that went with the job. It was attached to the cottage that the farm manager and his wife lived in. After being dropped off after a night out, I was busting for a wee. <laughs> oh my word, this podcast. Um, after being dropped off after a night out, I was busting for a wee. So I went in the front door and let my Springer Spaniel Sid out to have a wee. He brought himself back in. The next morning, we went out of the back door and walked down the road to the stables. When the farm manager saw me, he said, you must have had a good night out. Awkward. Wow, what is this? I didn't know what he meant, but he seemed quite amused. Anyway, I popped back home for a bite of lunch. I found out what was amusing him. A pair of my knickers, oh no. <laughs> a pair of my knickers were on my front doorstep. I, I could tell a story, actually. Oh, <laughs> No, because now, now it will sound more, more lewd than it actually is. <laughs> a pair of my knickers were on my front doorstep and I realised that Sid must have taken them out with him the night before. I couldn't look the farm manager, um, I couldn't look the farm manager in the eye without going bright red from that moment on. That is fabulous. Yes, I have a story. Yeah, sadly, we, we I can relate to that story. Yeah, because um, <laughs> when... What? <laughs> I have to. Okay, fine. Because otherwise can... it sounds worse than it is. No, it does sound. To be Madeline's fair, Madeline's got clear a cringe story that she's submitted. No, I haven't. And it goes it. like this. <laughs> uh, no, the the funny story um, that we've got is that um, when um, a long time we, ago, when not, we were newly yeah, together, yeah, we'd not been together that long, had we? Um, we'd only just met, and. Um, we went somewhere. I think we went up to Yorkshire. Yeah, we went up to um, and um, and rather obviously, it would be silly to drive separately. So um, Madeline drove to a vet clinic where I was working. We left the car there, loaded all of like the luggage into my car, and then we drove up to Yorkshire. And um, and then we drove back. 
um, a few days later and did the opposite. So we we um, put, unloaded the luggage from Madeline's luggage from my car into hers, and then she went off to to where, her house. However, um, to interject. Yeah. What had happened was that we had packed one of my coats into your suitcase, oh. or the other way around. We'd there packed was some yours swapping. into my suitcase. So, in the car park at whatever time of night it was, it was after very late. it was closed, we had to rummage through a suitcase and do some swapping over. Yeah, and then I was working there the next day, and and. <laughs> I'm actually quite pleased that my name is going to be clear. <laughs> I was working there the next day, and um, <laughs> Stop and, it. no, it's um, There was a lot of like giggling when I entered the practice, but I, I just carried on um, oblivious. And then about halfway through the day, every every member of staff in the practice had um, been talking about how um, a pair of, um, of knickers were in the car park and that Tom was the, uh, Tom was the, 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 the cause of it. Um, but it was actually much more innocent than, um, than they had thought. So, and anyway, now I'm glad because they didn't know that you, they were mine previously, but now the whole world Yeah, knows. and you cleared your name at least, <laughs> haven't you? So um, there we go. Cleared your name on the Help My Dog podcast. Nothing weird was happening. Right, so um, what we talk, adolescence, very topical. So um, adolescence, um, what um, what is the third tip? What is the third tip? Good question. The third tip is yeah. So another thing that happens with with adolescence is that you, up until now you had this like really cute biddable puppy that you know wanted to please, but also. Let's be honest, often the reason why puppies appear like they want to please is because their eyesight and hearing isn't that developed and so they don't notice all the distractions that are around them. That gets better over time and you start to see their behavior deteriorate a little bit. But by that time, you know, you've been rewarding them for staying close, doing a bit of recall maybe, and everything's not looking too bad. Then what happens is that you make their world bigger and bigger and bigger. At the same time, they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, right? So now no longer are they a five, six kilo Labrador puppy with underdeveloped eyesight and hearing that don't, doesn't notice distractions, but in, and, and you know, living a relatively, um, uh, let's say, restricted life purely by the fact that you can't walk them for hours and you can't you know, do loads with them because they get tired and you know, you've got to look after their joints. Um, but now what we've got is a 35 key, six months later, a 35 kilo Labrador with the eyes and hearing of a hawk that notices every distraction around them. And we've been doing more with them. So they've been exposed to more stuff. And in that process, they've discovered things that they're scared of. They've discovered things that they're really excited about. They've discovered things that they're frustrated by. And then what happens is adolescence comes along and says, oh, and now they can't disengage very easily. And now you've got 35 kilos on the end of the lead wanting to get involved in everybody else's business. You're trying to do what you were able to do six months ago, but now it's not nowhere near as enjoyable. And we don't necessarily take that moment to step back and think, I need to make this dog's world smaller again. This, While this was appropriate and my dog could do these things and behave well, three, four, five, six months ago. Today, they, this week, they cannot. 
And if I keep putting them in that environment, they keep rehearsing it, things are not going to get better. And so my final tip is that actually, often this is a time where we make our dog's world smaller again so that we can prepare for the situation, so that we can top up their skills, so that we can work on, you know, for example, those of you who are in the Help My Dog Online Hub, you can go through the various processes and frameworks to get your dog back on track, and then you can grow their world again. But I think often what we do is we, we kind of, we're working, we're treating the dog in front of us as if they were the dog from six months ago, but they are not the same dog. They're not the same dog in that they've not got the same skills. They're not as able to disengage as well. And they are 10 times the size. And so they're a different kettle of fish to manage. And so now in this new phase, we need to go back a step literally go back a step, make their world smaller and skill them up and skill ourselves up so that then we can start to grow their world again. So guys, I hope you got some insights into adolescence. I hope you got some like actionable, like, oh, I see why this is happening. Sigh of relief, it's not me, it's just nature. And here is what to do about it. That was this episode of the Help My Dog podcast. As always, please leave us a review. If you get value from this, then just leave a review because it's gonna help other people to find it. If you've got a cringe story of your own, even Email them to cringe at helpmydog.com and you might get featured and we will see you next time. <laughs>